Hi everyone, my name is Shay, and this is the Iterate Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk to entrepreneurs about their experience starting and founding businesses. This week we're talking to Trevor Abbott. Um, he's the founder of Spinshow and um, part of the team of Admiral, a visitor relationship management company, which is something he'll explain. Um, but he's a pretty cool guy, um, really experienced and kind of has done a lot in entrepreneurship. So I think that he has a lot of good advice for people that are trying to start their own thing. So yeah, hope you guys enjoy this episode. All right, so uh, I have heard a lot about you, like plenty over the past couple years. I feel like your name is always coming up as like, you know, like the guy that did Spin Chill and all this stuff. (laughs) So I guess, I guess first, um, if you want to talk about like what you do right now at Admiral and Mm -hmm. how you got to Admiral, and then we'll like zoom back and, you know, how you got started in entrepreneurship and all that. Um, So yeah, like what is Admiral? What do you do at Admiral? Um, yeah, Yeah, just like some context. Yeah, so um, I think it'll probably make the most sense. Let me let me kind of start with the genesis of Admiral and how we came to be as a company, and then how I got involved. Um, so so Admiral started officially in I think it was 2015, I believe. Right. Uh, it's been running for about six years now. Um, but the the team had originally started working on building some of the topics that we're working on now uh, at a company called Groove Shark, which was a right. a big high flyer in Gainesville. Um, a couple of fun facts about it. Uh, Groove Shark was actually larger than Spotify when Spotify came to the U.S. market because Spotify was a Swedish company that then came over to the U.S. and, you know, is now a, what, $40 billion company yeah, or whatever huge. they are. Yeah. yeah. Um, Groove Shark was actually larger than Spotify uh, at the time. Uh, they got into a bunch of issues with record label companies and lawsuits and stuff. But um, uh, the, the core tech team there ended up pulling together after Groove Shark dissolved and started building the original products for Admiral. Uh, at the time, it was all focused around ad block recovery. So, you know, 30%, I'm sure you use an ad blocker on your computer. Um, about 30% of the internet uses one now, but that poses a big problem with the internet business model because nine out of 10 websites that we all go to are ad supported, right? And so right. if we're not seeing those ads, then they're not able to generate revenue off of us as consumers. Uh, and so, you know, there's not many companies in the world that can can survive with a 30% shrinkage, uh, right. uh, but that's how the internet is has evolved. And so um, the core tech team from GroupShark uh, stuck together, built the original prototypes for Admiral. And uh, then about six months into that, um, uh, I was actually, oh, and so, so what we do at Admiral now, you know, bring that full circle. Uh, we started out just doing ad block recovery for publishers. So, you know, about a $35 billion a year industry uh, right there. And then as we started diving deeper into that topic and working with more and more digital publishers, and when I say digital publishers, I'm just saying you'll hear me use that term a lot. All that is, is somebody who creates content, publishes the content online, whether it's video, audio, uh, uh, written stuff, it doesn't matter. And then they monetize that either either off of subscriptions or email newsletters or or off of ads. And so Admiral has built a platform that we call a VRM or visitor relationship management platform, Mm -hmm. where we manage that whole end-to-end visitor journey for publishers. So whether it's ad block recovery or subscriptions or email collection or user authentication. Um, there's a mix of different topics that we do. We've built a single platform that publishers can install on their site and then manage that entire visitor journey. Right. Uh, and so that's, that's, that's what we do now. And we're working with some pretty big names. Um, CBS is a client, uh, NBC is a client, uh, News Corp 
um, Hearst newspapers. So um, we've got like three of the top five publishers in the U.S. now that are partners. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been going great. So, but how I got involved. Um, so the, the, the four founders of Admiral pulled together um, all tech guys, right. all product guys, uh, very, very smart. I had known them at Grooveshark. And at the time right. I was actually on the board of Gain, the Gain's yeah. Area Innovation Before, before Start GMV, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, that's what Start GMV was born out of. Um, but I was on the board of Gain at the time and we used to hold a pitch competition every year. And I remember the four founders had pitched me the idea for Admiral. Right. And um, uh, they didn't win the pitch competition. Right. <laughs> they're, they're, super, they're super smart guys, uh, right. not, not the best at pitching. Um, <laughs> and right. uh technical uh, you know uh yeah no no super smart but yeah right got very very technical very quickly. right 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 and um, like we don't understand all the yeah yeah which <laughs> as an as an engineer i appreciate it oh yeah I also, of course. i right. also didn't really understand the industry at the time so so anyways they did that and they were trying to get the company off the ground and running uh and then they they hooked up with dan rua uh who's mm. our ceo at admiral uh dan and i have been good friends for a long time uh, actually originally met through gain we were both on the board together right. and then um, used to speak on panels quite often together to different entrepreneurship groups mm. and classes at uf um, because dan's background he was a venture capitalist for 25 years first right. investor in a bunch of of early stage tech companies um, and so anyway so him and i had had been acquaintances and he connected with the guys from admiral the four founders mm they went and raised the seed round for, uh, to get the company launched. And when they did that, then Dan approached me about coming on to help build out the business side. And so my role right. at Admiral, and I've been there actually just over five years now. So pretty much since the inception. Um, and my role has been um, primarily focused on building out our sales team uh, and right. partnerships team. So I work directly with the publishers, uh, bring them on, help them do strategy work, all mm -hmm. sorts of different things. Awesome. So, okay, question, because I know that you studied mechanical engineering at UF, correct. correct? Yep. And, but then you kind of ended up now in, you know, working on business at yep. a software company. So I guess as someone who studied engineering, how did, and like, I guess this could be like a good foray into like giving some of your background, just like how you got yeah. here, but like, how did that transition kind of happen going from being, you know, yeah. heads down in, making engineering exactly stuff. engineering yeah. and then moving to doing like the business side of things yeah yeah um that story for me probably starts when i was a kid um right. i come from a, a family of of entrepreneurs my dad had a tech company in the early 90s um went through the dot-com bubble uh and then my stepfather he um he's had his own jewelry store for 40 years in right. in uh newport richie in our hometown um and and then aunts and uncles all own their own businesses too and so i just kind of grew up around the concept of like owning your own business and that was always very attractive to me right um but i had decided you know i can always learn business and i think i learned a lot from from my family right. but engineering is one of those things that it's uh you can definitely learn it on your own mm -hmm. but uh uh, the value of learning that through a university, I felt like was more powerful. Oh, for sure. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, so, so did mechanical engineering at UF. And then we had started SpinChill. Uh, I'd started with my, my partner, Ty Parker, right. uh, at the time. He is also a mechanical engineer from mm -hmm. UF. Um, and uh, we had started that. And then as him and I were building the company, 
I took over more of the business role and he, he's just a phenomenal engineer, one of the best right. I've ever worked with. And right, so he right. just kind of naturally took over more of the uh, technical role and production role right. uh, at Spinfield. And so uh, that just kind of, I, I guess I fell into it from that and right. then just kept building on it. And then when, when Dan approached me with the opportunity to uh, work on the business side at Admiral, um, you know, obviously I'm not a software engineer, I can understand code to right. a certain degree and, right, and right, right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm dangerous, but not enough to do the sophistication <laughs> right. products that we're, that we're working on. Right, and so, right, right. Um, yeah, so, so I personally found the transition really easy. I also found that for me as a person, I enjoy human interaction a lot mm, more. And totally. as, as an engineer, you usually don't get a ton of human interaction. Oh yeah, no. Uh, right. <laughs> and yeah. so, uh, so uh, I, I just felt like it was it was right place, right time, and mm. really where I saw myself going. I enjoy, um, and and we've hired other engineers to work on on the sales side at Admiral, um, and other companies I've been with. Having the the mindset, so I always tell people that engineering is less of a discipline and more of a mindset right. of if a problem is put in front of you you're going to figure out a way how to solve that problem. Totally. And even if it's, it, you're not an absolute expert at that particular thing you're trying to solve, right. the engineering mindset teaches you to one, not give up, but two, troubleshoot and figure out a way to solve that problem. Mm. Uh, and so, so taking that mindset into a sales and business role has actually been very beneficial because I can mm. help short circuit a lot of the, the big sales that we do. So um, like for instance, we're actually, right before we hopped on this call i was right. i was on a call with uh cnn you know large company uh, right, one that right. we've, been, we've been trying to work with for a while and um they were having some technical issues and so i just hopped on a phone call with them and troubleshot right. it with them and got it all sorted out mm. um so it's nice that i don't have to pull the product team in totally. waste yep. their time on development um can use a lot of you know a lot of that methodology and thinking right. from engineering to troubleshoot and, and work through that stuff. So I, I actually appreciate the transition a lot. And, and again, for me personally, uh, uh, I enjoy this side of the whole business world much right. more. Awesome. So then um, I guess let's go back a little bit to like your time at UF because it sounds like even though you kind of had a pretty solid base and understanding entrepreneurship from the way you grew up it sounds like your first you know projects where you were really getting your hands dirty were at UF so what yep. was that like not just starting spin show but also kind of getting involved with like entrepreneurial community at UF yeah so um so I had started to get involved with the community prior to starting spin show and the community is really right. what you know helped us spur spin show and launch it oh, yeah. um but initially it was just this desire to understand what people were working on and then how they were building those companies. Right. Um, uh, because even though I, I did grow up, you know, in a family of, of entrepreneurs or small business owners, uh, was never around the like high tech industry, if that makes sense, right. um, the, the software industry. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and a lot of the companies in Gainesville have really excelled in that category. Oh, yeah. So I was just very curious about it. And so I started reaching out to um, all the local CEOs and entrepreneurs and business leaders and, and just setting up meetings with them and going out to lunch with them and just mm -hmm. getting, getting to know them for no, you know, 
really for no like personal reason right. or, or no no business reason i should say for like right. personal gain it was it was more out of curiosity to just right. figure out how these people were doing it and uh and and then just learn about the gainesville community and um and then it just it kind of just snowballed from there honestly it was like met with one person and then they would be like hey you need to go meet with this person and that person right and right right and it just kind of kept building on itself. Uh, and then that was when, when I met up with Augie um, and a whole group of, of other entrepreneurs in Gainesville. Um, and they really took me under their wing. And, and I mean, then I dove in head first uh, right, right, right. and just ran after it. So yeah, it was, um, you know, kind of, we were talking before the call a little bit. And, um, you know, one of the things that I've, I've always seen, there's this opportunity in Gainesville you know, you have now a top five university right. uh, in the nation, insanely brilliant people. There is also, I think there's a part of the Gator Nation DNA that is built in, uh, uh, built in with innovation and, and you know, mm -hmm. pushing the limits on things, right? If you right. look back at the history of it, like, um, you know, Gatorade was created at UF. Gatorade's mm -hmm. massive, multi-billion right. dollar brand now, right? Totally. It was all started at UF. Um uh, the co-founder and CTO of NVIDIA, uh, Chris Malchowski is right. a Gator grad, right? Right, right, right. Um, so I think, I think that it is in, in the DNA of, of Gators. Uh, but I just always saw that there was this, this gap between what was going on at the university and what was going on through the education piece. Uh, and it didn't quite translate into getting people plugged in with the community. And if you look at other thriving startup communities and innovation communities like san francisco right you got stanford there if you've ever been out to their campus like right. it it doesn't feel like there's a separation between right. the innovation community and the university there like they're right. all kind of intertwined mm -hmm. um and so so one of my curiosities was trying to figure out okay at uf we have everything is ripe and perfect to create that sort of community and really foster totally, yeah massive innovation right. uh, but for some reason there there was the disconnect yeah. right yeah so um yeah I, I think you know as as students unless they take it upon themselves to uh dive into it and learn themselves then it's a little bit tougher but i also right, right, right. I, I also don't know if that's necessarily the fault of the university uh versus that's part of what entrepreneurship is too right you have to like stick your neck out there and go out on a limb and yeah. it's there's no playbook for it right right like, right, you, right you can't you can't hand somebody a playbook and oh like, yeah no yes. this is how you start yes. a, a oh, billion totally. dollar company right um right. and so part of it is is getting out of your comfort zone and, mm -hmm. and doing it so um yeah that was that was kind of what led me into it and then that's just been part of my journey uh, ever since and and uh again i still think gainesville is right for right. the startup and innovation sector um, right, right. and if students want to get involved with it i mean the, everybody in the community is more than willing to give time and oh, yeah. their experience and connect i mean it's not very often that as a, a university student mm -hmm. you can reach out to the ceo of you know like sharp spring for right instance, totally that's a good example. Uh, yeah but yeah, they just sold for 240 million or something oh yeah like that. they're public public company yeah, yeah doing great um, yeah. And uh, it's not very often that as a university student, you can reach out to the founder and CEO of a company like that. Right. And he'll take, you know, he'll, he'll respond. And oh, take for sure. Meeting. 
Um, yeah. And that's the same with, you know, there's, there's a plethora of companies that are at that scale in Gainesville. Uh, yeah. And again, if you reach out to them, then they they'll take respond. the time. Totally. Yep. Yeah. 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 The Gator Nation is a real thing. That is one thing that, it, that, uh, uh, this journey has taught me, you know, you always, mm. you always see it on the screens and it's right. a great, hi- right. great right. hype screen, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, go do this part yeah. of the Gator Nation. Um, I'll tell you being in business mm. and building, especially Admiral, mm-hmm. um, that is so true. And it is crazy that everywhere I go, if I, I was actually, I was just in a conference, um, up in New York city this past week. Right. And, uh, uh, was chit chatting with this guy. I, I had my, um, Gator alumni socks on. I'm a big yeah. sock fan. And so I had <laughs> yeah. the century tower socks on. Right. And he saw, he saw them and made a comment. He's like, are you a Gator? I was like, yeah. yeah. I was like, we're actually based out of Gator. And like so. instant connection. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Right, he, right. he gave me his number and he's like, oh, yeah. he's like, man, he goes, if I can ever, you know, make right. connections for you, mm. do anything for you, let me know. Right. Um, right. And yeah, it's, it instantly breaks down that barrier. I mean, mm. the president of the largest publishing company in the world right. um, is also a Gator grad. He, when we first started Admiral, I'd found that out and I reached out to him. Right. Dude, who didn't need to be talking to, you know, uh, right. a 20 something year old right, uh, right, right. sales guy from, yeah. from a, a tech company, um, but took the call purely mm. because of the Gator connections. So right, right, right. The, the real deal. Yeah. So I guess, I guess, I guess along that same vein of, you know, um, the whole networking and meeting people side of things. Um, I have, I'm friends right now with uh, Kyle and, uh, blanking on his name michael um founders of launder you know they do great things but they're right now they're in the hacker house you know Uh and they kind of talk about it as this fable thing i know you were involved with that so i guess what kind of connections did you make out of that because i'm you know like all the you know like the mentors and everything of the hacker house were like Mm -hmm. you know super big names in gainesville just for like all that they've done for entrepreneurship and stuff so like how do you kind of get involved in that and like how did that kind of help you, I guess, build community in, yeah. in town. Yeah. I mean, so, so, you know, spin show came out of Hacker House. That right, was the, right. the first year that we had done it. Um, Augie and I had, had, I think first met just at a bar or something, or he used to always do startup hours too. Yep. And um, it was something that I would just go to on a, a weekly basis or monthly basis whenever we'd have them and just got to know Augie really well. And then it was through Augie and I building a personal connection to each right. other that then, um, you know, he kind of pitched the idea to Hacker House. And I was like, that sounds like a crazy idea, but I, I'm all on board for it. <laughs> right. uh, let's uh, go. And uh, so, yeah, I had set it up. And, and again, it's one of those things that just kind of snowballs, right? And right, if you, right, right. If you obviously have to prove yourself and mm. prove that you bring value to the community and to the people. Right, um, right, right. But if you do, then it's one of those things that just, adds and compounds on on top of itself you know one person will then inter- introduce you to two more people and then right. those two people will introduce you to two more totally. um and so uh uh yeah just through really community building like that um mm. and and like i said the resources that are there and available are are vast and the experiences are are massive mm. um but uh uh yeah hacker house was very pivotal uh for for my personal story and and really spurring that community and getting involved with everything so all right awesome so then um 
I guess I guess something that I'm kind of curious about is you did a lot of you know meeting people and networking and kind of getting involved in the community. Were you always kind of good at that people part of business, or is it something that you kind of learned over time? Yeah, I, I would say that that's something that does come more a little bit more natural for me than uh, for everybody. I, I believe that that's a skill that can absolutely be learned, though. Right. Um, it's for some people, it's not as comfortable. Um, again, for me, I just I truly enjoy people and people's stories right. uh, and learning and just trying to soak up as much knowledge as I can. And so, right. um, yeah, for me, it, it came a little bit more natural. But, um, you know, I've advised quite a few startups now in Gainesville and outside of Gainesville. Uh, and that's, that's one thing I always tell them is like, look, you may not be the best at it. You may not be comfortable with going out there and meeting other people and talking right. to them, but it is, it is very important, especially early on in a company mm. um, just to get people's experiences and, and get their insights into stuff, right. Ask questions, be curious. Totally. Um, so yeah. Yeah. For me personally, it did come a little bit more natural, but Again, I think it's a skill that can definitely be learned and honed in over time. Right, right, right. It's awesome. So then, um, I guess, I guess one of the questions I have is, you, you know, like you went through all these experiences with, with entrepreneurship while you're at UF, and then you ended up at Admiral. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, you started there when it was significantly, were like at pretty much zero. What has yeah. that process been like of scaling? You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like. With a lot of people starting, you know, small businesses, that's not really mm -hmm. something that they have an experience with. Like, what is that process like of building a company to be, you know, yeah, large? So, yeah, yeah build, build it to scale. Um, and and there's a couple. We'll probably take this conversation in a couple different directions. Right. Um, one direction being like the internals of a company and right, how you scale right, right. a company yep. personnel-wise, right? Culture, um, right, right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, I mean, we've the culture at Admiral has been very intentional. Right. Um, and, and, you know, we're about, gosh, somewhere between 25 and 30, uh, uh, people at the company now. Right. right. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, when we started, it was basically $0 in yeah. revenue and, and, <laughs> right. and nothing. And now we're, uh, much, much larger than that. So, right. um, uh, internally, uh, yeah, I think, I think culture as you scale, uh, should be intentional, right. um, and everybody does it a different way. You know, there's a bajillion books out there about it. Oh. Uh, it's definitely one of those things that what I've seen is that the more you do it and dig into the topic, the better you get, just like anything else, right? Mm -hmm. and, and we're very, very, very fortunate as a company to have Dan uh, at the right. helm of it because he's done it so many times, right? right. So for him, everything is very intentional and on mm -hmm. purpose. And we've been able to keep very close good company right. culture because right. of that um uh so yeah internally um that's that's important very paramount um the uh and and the other thing i would think about that because it seems like there's there's been a disconnect at times where people worry too much about culture right, right. and then they especially in the startup world there was like yeah of building company culture it's like right. you, know, you, you have to build the business first right 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 be, in, yeah. be intentional but without the business totally culture doesn't matter right? yep. you, you guys can all be best friends but if there's no revenue coming in <laughs> exactly right. exactly totally. yeah so um so i think that's a little bit of a balancing act um, right, you know first right. and foremost is is get money flowing in through the door you know right. prove that the business that you're building can actually generate yep. revenue and then as you're doing that 
um, company culture definitely comes from the founders and mm. leadership down. Um, right. And uh, uh, so, yeah, they, they, they work hand in hand, but I think mm -hmm. that's a big, a big piece where I've seen people miss right. the mark where they, they try to build the company culture before building the company. Right. Uh, and, and it usually ends up failing, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, company culture, um, adding more headcount, uh, right. it always gets, you just have personal dynamics that course, play into right. it. Right. Um, oh. and, and retention and getting mm. people caught up to speed on how the product works, the industry that you work in, everything like that. Right. Um, so that stuff takes time, but, uh, again, if you're intentional about it and, and, uh, hire smart so one of the one of the principles that we we you know live and die by at admiral right. is we, we hire very slowly um right. but our well we don't we haven't fired anybody but right. if somebody leaves they tend to leave pretty quickly it's not mm. a drag drug out process they know pretty quickly and we know as a company if somebody's going to be a good fit right. what well, that's a fit, to, right yeah what we're trying to do um, and again, I think that's because we take so much time on the front end of hiring people mm, right. that we, we pretty much know if they're going to be a fit before they come into the company. Yep. Um, I would, I would say that's good advice for anybody building a company, right. um, as you scale, uh, and then externally, you know, scale from a sales perspective and just, just, you know, volume of like mm. companies that we work with. Right. So when we started, you know, we were working with like, you know, you start with one company, one right. client, and then add another, and right. add another. But but you know, we were pretty small for the first year or so. Maybe had a handful of clients, and now we're up into the. I don't even know what the last number is, but we're right. dealing with you know these big, massive media companies. You know, right. NBC, CBS, mm -hmm. um, companies that are multi-billion-dollar companies, and to to navigate them from a sales perspective mm -hmm. uh, is. Um, is a difficult thing to do and takes right. time, right, but, right. um, but one of those things that you kind of have to figure out and it's different for every industry. Um, there's common themes, I think about selling to enterprise clients, but, um, but it's having to navigate a lot of personal relationships with multiple stakeholders, right? Yep. So like, for instance, the, the companies I just mentioned, we have to deal with, you know, 10 to 20 people on a daily basis right. in those companies to actually get things, uh, pushed forward or, or moved or get the deal done. Right. Uh, and then ongoing, right. Then you have all the account management side of business and, right, and right, making right. sure that those clients stay happy and, yeah, of course. and don't leave you. Um, yeah. and so that poses its own challenges too, but that's, sure. that's, right. that's definitely one of those things that again, you, I think you need to be intentional about how mm. you do it. I'm a big fan of, of trying things and iterating as quickly as possible, right. right? Taking, mm -hmm. taking the engineering mindset yep. of, development into the sales and business role. Um, right. and, and, you know, that was one of the big challenges that we had at Admiral early on is it was tough for us to land our first big client and mm. NBC was our, our first big client. Um, right. and, um, uh, it really spun out of the idea that, you know, we had had tried to build a, what's called an inside sales model to where mm. everything was done virtually right on zoom meetings and email and phone calls and stuff like that. And we just found that breaking into the big clients, we weren't getting great traction right. doing it that way. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so what I did is I just, I flew on a plane up to New York cause that's where like 
75% of our large clients are based out of or potential right. large clients. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, this was probably four years ago now, mm-hmm. at least. Um, I just flew up to New York City for a month and literally just essentially went around knocking on doors of these big right. publishers and right, right. scoring meetings with them. And mm-hmm. uh, that's where we you know, landed like our first two or three big clients then. And so we, we kind of had to shift our business model a little bit uh, mm-hmm. over time. And we still do a lot of uh, inside sales, but more and more of it mm-hmm. is hitting the road, meeting people in person because it, you can just shorten the business cycles right. significantly. Oh, I'm sure. By, right. me, yeah. Meeting somebody face to face and shaking hands and you know, sure. talking to them that way. So, right. 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 Yeah. What was like, I'm sure you did a lot of this with, you know, like the previous ventures that you were involved in. What was that process like of learning how to, how to pitch an idea um, and kind of yeah. like, yeah, like, I guess that, and then like, you know, selling yeah. the thing that you're making, like, what is that process like? Yeah. The, um, so a couple of like nuggets that I've gained over the years from, right. from some of my mentors and stuff mm-hmm. um, and, and what's kind of shaped me and how I operate personally in, in this role is uh again you can't be scared to to try things right. um uh pitching uh is an iterative process you gotta just right. do it and the more you do it the better you get at it mm-hmm. um uh you know hacker house and and augie and actually joining pitch competitions right. early on right, um, right, pitch right. competitions and hackathons are great ways to learn and understand how to pitch right there's totally. some ge- there's some general formulas like right, things that you right, can right. hit um but the thing that I found about pitching is once you know that, right, once you kind of have that map mapped out in your brain or sketched out on a piece of paper or something, yeah. um, then it's all about trying to figure out, okay, what are people keying in on? Like when I say this, what mm. are people's reactions and, and trying to get some sort of emotional uh, reaction from people right. is very, very important in pitching, no matter mm. if you're pitching for fundraising, if you're pitching to sell something, you've totally. got to make it personal and you've got to be able to connect emotionally with that person right um, right right and so uh uh yeah i mean uh, and i'm still not the best at it I, it's, it's something i try and iterate right. on on a, a daily basis uh, mm-hmm. i've got things pretty refined for what we're doing now but uh yeah it's just kind of kind of getting getting out there and trying it and then right. once you do you know take mental notes take actual notes and be like mm-hmm. okay this didn't land well. Right, it, right, right. It's a, it's sort of like being a stand-up comedian, right? Like oh, you've got to yeah. test things, see yeah. how people react, and yeah. then take that and keep building on it. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it's I I would say you could read as many books as you want, you could watch as many right. competitions, but until you have the practice, there's, right? Yeah, there's there's right. nothing nothing compared to getting out and physically doing it. Whether it's your well, at the end of the day. I consider it, you're always selling something, right? Whether you're selling yourself or selling a right. product or, mm. or selling a business or trying right, to right, right. start a business, you're selling something at the end of the day. Right. And right. so just keep that in mind and keep it simple and make a human, human connection. And mm. that I found always works out the best, even, even with the enterprise sales, right? You'd think that there's some right. like magic trick. Right. Some like, formula. Right. 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 It's not, it's not, it's making a personal connection. Mm. And then once you do that, then just listening and asking questions mm. from whoever it is you're you're selling to or working right. with and uh figure out what their needs and wants are and then mm. figure out how you can service those needs and wants and those those tend to be the best pitches right. 
in general, right? I've right. seen a lot of different styles of pitching, but I've always seen that that's mm. the most effective. Right. Awesome. All right. I have two more questions for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've kind of talked a lot about the whole process of iterating on pitching and iterating on, you know, kind of like the soft skill side of things, but mm -hmm. your products has kind of changed over time. You know, you've kind of broadened the scope a little bit, whether, you know, like how, how like at the beginning it was just on the ad revenue recovery yep. part. Um, what was that process like of iterating on the product and how did you kind of land at the place that you are now product-wise? Yeah, um, a mix of different things. Mm. Uh, that's not a super black and white question. Right, it's, it's, it's constant iteration. We're oh, still course, iterating and, right, and right, building. Right. Yeah. Um, we try and really uh, employ the concept of product-led growth as mm. much as we can. Mm -hmm. And what, what that means in our scenario at Admiral is getting customers, then one, collecting data and seeing how customers are using the product. And right. then two, just like actually talking to them, being like, mm. hey, what do you think about this? Right, um, right, right. And then we'll, a we'll ask them too, like what other things can we build that would be helpful for you? Mm. Um, that can be a, a slippery slope at times. Right, uh, right, right. Depending, you know, we're at a big enough scale now that, that we, we can collect a lot of data points on mm -hmm. those things. And, and so if we have, you know, a dozen clients that all say they want the same thing, then we'll right. devote our product resources to building that thing because we already right. know we've got a market for it. Right. Um, but the reason why I say that can be a slippery slope is if mm. you don't have enough data points on it, right? You might have one or two customers. Right. And um, uh, I, I think it was, I think it was Steve Jobs who there was like a famous quote that he talked mm -hmm. about where he said that, that uh, people don't know what they, oh, they totally. actually want. Right. And so if, right. you, if you, if you give survey questions, you're going right. to get a mix of answers and, and the crazy thing is, I mean, we should look we at fell the into actions. This and, yeah, yes. yeah, totally. And so that's a lot more of the product led growth right, concept right, is, right. is look at people's actions, look what they're actually doing, right? Mm. And then for some of those bigger ideas and the innovative concepts, collect as many data points as you get, but then also right. use your own judgment. Like if right. you're deep enough into whatever market or industry mm. it is, use your right. own judgment. And right, if right. you see, see something open up and there's a gap there, then build something to fill it if it fits with your product. Right, right, right. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so yeah, so we're constantly iterating on that stuff. But yeah, that's that's really how we do it. It's it's um, you know early on it was a little bit of a moving target mm. because we were you know a new player to the market and right. kind of in innovating on something that hadn't existed before. And so when you're building mm. something that never existed before to right. serve a need that is brand new, right. that's a little bit more tricky because you're you're you know. Right trying to see what works essentially yeah. you're just running you're running a massive scientific experiment mm. um but then once you get into you know a company at, at scale right, um, right you can you can do it a lot more methodically and right. really you know map out i mean we've got like uh, a six month roadmap of what our product team is building out of the mm. next six months and yeah things change but but if you put a framework in place and have that uh, uh, timeline built out, then it just, it sets the whole company up for success right. too, because right on the sales side, we need to know what new products our product team is coming out with right, right, get right. educated on those. Um, and at the same time, we need to create the feedback loop because we're interfacing with our clients every single day. Mm -hmm. We need to bring that data and information and share that with our product team and say, Hey, look, you know, 
I've had five people in the past day tell me that this is a, an area that they're having problems with. Right. Um, is this something that we've explored? What do we think about, you know, putting together uh, a mock-up for this product and, mm-hmm. and then decide from there, okay, is something that we're going to devote resources to or not? Right, right, right. Awesome. Awesome. So I guess the last thing would be for someone that is, you know, where you were a couple of years ago in the position mm-hmm. where they're either, you know, starting their own business or interested in doing so, um, yep. what advice would you give to younger you? Yeah. Um, uh, talk to as many people as you can that have been there and done that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, be careful about uh doing what everyone says if that right. makes sense right. let right. me give you like a, a couple scenarios and a couple a couple areas yeah. where like we made we made missteps mm. on and looking back on it i wish that um you know uh would have made a little bit different decisions right. Um, right. and i'll get i'll give you some specifics on that but but in general um if somebody's been there and done that mm. then the likelihood of you getting a a good answer from them is much higher versus Mm. just you know there's a mix of like gurus or people that that speculation they know right right yeah Yeah. and and they're willing to get everybody wants to give their advice right of course um but but it can be dangerous there because if they haven't done it right they haven't put their neck out Mm. there and and taken Mm -hmm. that risk before they don't know where the potential missteps could be versus somebody who's gone through it and made some missteps and they can say look, I've done this before. I've totally. seen this exact scenario. Mm. This is what you should probably do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm always a big fan. Get as much feedback uh, as possible. Talk to people that have been there and done that. Mm-hmm. Um, don't alienate people uh, right. in general. Uh, and then, um, yeah, all through the way too, it evolves, right? Like, right, like right, right, right. Ment- mentors of mine in the business world have evolved over time because mm. early on it was, I was building my, close network of people that I would call on a daily basis and just, you know, go through problems that we were having Uh uh, to try and build a physical product. And it was like, they were really, really good at, at the inception and building of a company, but not necessarily great at scaling a company. Mm. And so as it evolved, right. And then as we've evolved Admiral, uh, you just start picking up different mentors along the way, right? Like, like now I interface and spend a lot more of my my time asking questions or advice of others uh, in in from people that have already built companies to right. scale, right? Right, right. Uh, because they've been there and done that. They've, mm. they've seen what mm-hmm. can go good and what can go wrong. And so, yeah, it's a constant evolution evolution in that sense. Um, but mentorship is is probably the best way to short circuit that, in my opinion. Right, uh, right, and right. most people I found are very receptive to mm. giving mentorship. Mm-hmm. uh about you know a mix of different things um and then uh and, and so part of this is pulling from my experience too so like for instance at, at admiral or not not admiral at uh, spinchill early on right. you know ty and i were we're just growing the company together and starting mm-hmm. to expand the team a little bit and um you know we made some some mishires early on and right. uh, it cost us a lot of money <laughs> right. uh and uh and it was purely because of contract negotiation that we mm. got into we had never negotiated a right. a, a salesperson contract before mm. and uh and so we did and it ended up biting us in the butt and right. um you know you learn from mistakes but uh but things like that right like that's 
that's something that's not super complicated. And if we right. would have just asked the right people totally. and right, right. said like, well, what do you think about this yeah. contract? We probably could have stopped that from happening. There's something but, that you uh, don't have to learn from experience. You can just take. Yes. It. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And, and, any of any of the any of the ones where you lose uh, uh, or, right. or, or lose or spend uh, totally you know, right. six, six figures or more. Yes. Yeah. Those, those probably not worth that, trying it yeah. out yourself. Yeah. 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 Take that one from my experience. I'll, right. I'll share that with anybody that. That's listening. Yeah. Right. Try and short circuit those whenever you can. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me think other, other good advice. Um, again, every scenario is different, but I'm a right, big right. fan of, of building a company with co-founders, especially mm. early on. And especially if it's a first time founder scenario. Right. Um, right, right. Again, once you do it, it's just like anything else. It gets easier every time that you do it. Uh, but early on, you know, get a good co-founder or a small group of co-founders um, and and be very lenient with equity, in my opinion, early on. Um, right. I, I believe, uh, and this was something that I hadn't learned until later on, but I do believe I'm a big fan of everybody, even the founders, all being on vesting schedules. Mm. So that equity right. is not given out right away. Totally. Uh, it, they have to stick with the company and help build the company mm. uh, again, even as, even as co-founders, because right, um, right. I've, I've seen scenarios where, uh, you know, two people might have a great idea. Uh, they build the company as co-founders. They own the majority of equity together, but they're not mm. on a vesting schedule. Something happens where they then butt heads or want to part ways. And right. it's not, it's always a messy break because totally. they're like, well, I've got my equity in the company and it's right. the company's valued at this. And it's right, like, right, right. yeah, but like, I'm going to stay on as the other co-founder and keep building it. So like, mm. why do you get the same piece of the pie that totally. I'm getting? Right. Right. Um, right, right. And, and so, uh, yeah, I, I believe that that's just a very clean, easy way. And you take all the emotional side out of it, right. Yep. The, with business, the more emotions that you can remove from the situation, mm. typically the better off that right, the right. whole scenario is going to play totally. out. And so uh, uh, doing vesting schedules early on, even for founders right. uh, and or early employees is, mm-hmm. in my opinion, the best way to just say, look, this is, it's, it's not emotional, right? This is what we right. agreed upon. Right. This is how much equity you'll get for yep. each period of time that you're with the company. And, mm-hmm. uh, and if you leave before then, you still have that equity that you had earned, but you're not getting more. Right? Totally. Yeah. So um, that's a little bit more on like the structural side, but I think right, that's right, a, right that's a big piece that a lot of people don't talk about necessarily. Um, mm. And just something that I've, I've personally seen work good and bad. So. Right. Right. Yep. Awesome. Well, yeah. I very much appreciate you taking some time out of your day. I think that was awesome. Of course. Yeah. Super Absolutely. Thank you for checking out that episode of the iterate podcast. We appreciate you listening. Um, you can find us on YouTube at the iterate podcast. Um, you can find me on Twitter at wideboy underscore, that's W-A-D-B-O-Y underscore, on Instagram at wideboy, that's W-A-D-B-O-Y, and I hope you guys tune in for more episodes. Appreciate it.